Welcome back to the Two Mess Podcast. Before we begin today's episode, we'd like to acknowledge that we're recording this episode of the Two Mess Podcast on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded land of the Musqueam peoples. While you may be joining us from a place other than Musqueam land, we encourage you to learn about the land you're situated on, who the traditional owners are and the caretakers of those lands, and how you came to be on the land you're situated on. This is Zoe Wagner, and we have the privilege of talking to Stéphane Labbé to explore their career and talk about his current role as a solutions journalist or a climate and environmental environment journalist with Glacier Media. Welcome. So let's look back at your beginning at UBC. Can you walk us through your educational journey at UBC, please? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Um, I mean, I guess like any student, uh, my my career at UB started in high school. Um, I wasn't really planning on going to university for a long time, and I, I kind of applied on a whim, to be honest. Okay. And my, you know, my parents went to university, um, but I got in, and uh, uh, so I, I arrived kind of not sure about where, what direction I want to go in. I spent a year in humanities. Uh, taking things like politics, English, Russian, all sorts of different classes, which I loved, but I wasn't sure. I went to sciences for a year. I finally landed on, on geography, which was had kind of had a foot in each of those doors. And I would say, you know, as it relates to my career, it wasn't until I went on an exchange to Mexico that I really started to consider the possibility of working as a reporter. Okay. Um, it would take me a few more years to really understand uh, how to start freelancing, and and then and then in 2015 I came back and did a master's in journalism at the school. Okay. Wow. How long was your exchange for? It was uh, one year. I went to um, a school in central Mexico called uh, La Universidad de las Americas in Puebla, which is just south of Mexico City. Okay. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm looking forward to going on exchange. I'm starting to do all the prep for that. So that's, that's good to know about. That's exciting. So what were you most involved in during your time at, in your undergrad and then moving on to graduate school? Uh, I mean, besides the parties, as any undergraduate knows, I guess, um, I, I did, you know, a, a decent amount of sports. I did some martial arts. I, I joined the varsity outdoor club where I kind of started lifelong obsession with rock climbing. Oh, as I moved towards uh, going on exchange and then returning, I, I did uh, a lot of language meetups. So um, yeah, that would eventually land me in Mexico and South America. Yeah, I mean, uh, extracurriculars, like I think anyone's life as an undergraduate, or you could, it's so great. You can do anything you want. Yeah, there's such a mix of everything. I'm glad you mentioned rock climbing. Um, I'm a big rock climber as well. I, I do a lot of bouldering and there's the aviary and the nest which is all ropes climbing now so that's that wasn't around when you were here but that that's something that we get to have now so what was was there something you were specifically involved in that impacted your interest in journalism especially after you came back from Mexico I guess I think it I'd probably have to start in Mexico um I mean it's hard to think back sometimes and unless you look at like old emails (laughs) Uh, but uh I did, when I lived in Mexico, I lived with a photojournalist um, and we spent a lot of time traveling throughout the southern parts of the country. It kind of opened up my eyes what journalism could do and and that it could be a viable career path. Um, Yeah, and like I said earlier though, 
I, I came out of a university, like I think a lot of people with a, a, a decent amount of student loans. And so it took me a few years to, to figure all that out and kind of get myself on a career path that would lead me to where I am today. Okay, got it. Is there, this is a little bit of a pivot, but is there one or two clubs that you recommend an aspiring journalist gets involved in it? UBC. I know we, we briefly talked about this before um, before we started the podcast, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think, and this is I'll be clear, like this is not something I didn't do. I mean, I don't like to live with regrets, but I certainly uh, the number one thing I would say for anyone wanting to be a reporter is just to join your school newspaper. I mean, do it early, whether that's in high school, whether that's at in your undergraduate career. I mean, it it just gives you that real kind of um, real life experience. Um, and it, it's like a little bit of a less of a, a high stakes um, introduction into the into the field. So I, I think it's journalism is something you have to do. And, and if you don't join a newspaper, you're not going to do it. Or if you don't join a media outlet. I'd also say learning another language or two or three is an excellent way to open doors. Um, the more people you can talk to, the more reporting you can do. And, and for me, I would also, I think what helped me was just whether it's your classes or just your personal life, like just look for things that really spark interest in the world. Because for me, curiosity is what keeps me going as a journalist. And if you don't have that, then you're not going to be looking for that next story uh, or wanting to talk to that next person. So the question is, how did UBC impact your ability to work in this industry? Yeah, I think UBC helped me immensely. I mean, it was part of my life for many years. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to being able to speak Spanish nearly fluently now. Um, I attribute that to that, those early, <laughs> early struggles with another language uh, to UBC's exchange program. Um, and yeah, certainly as a master's student, the journalism program helped me hone a lot of the skills I'd already started to develop. Um, it helped me take, it was kind of like, I like to think of it as kind of like a lab where you get a moment to like pull back from industry and think clearly as, as a reporter, but also like what kind of reporter you want to be. You can experiment with different formats. Um, and, and certainly with the staff, with the um, faculty they have on staff there, it, it opens up so many connections in the business. You get to meet editors at, at some very prestigious publications. And, um, and then it's really up to you what you do with that. Okay, got it. So now we're going to pivot into breaking into the industry. I know you're in a unique industry and that you're sharing stories based on, focused on environmental environmental stories so I'm curious did you have connections to help you get started especially coming out of the UBC master's program um, before that I definitely made my fair share of cold calls that didn't turn into anything some did um, I lived in a few continents before I ended up doing my master's program and, and I did do some freelancing there um, some of the earlier work I did was for a rock climbing publication that oh, no longer exists, but had, oh, a, I mean, you could really, you might be able to kind of describe it as a glorified, a glorified blog with a really good editor. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it was, it was, you know, it, it kind of opened, it, it sparked, uh, it sparked interest for me. And, mm -hmm. and I was teaching at the time uh, at a university there. And I, 
and I started doing this on the side and, and it just kind of took over my life. And, and so I, I, that's when I decided to come back to North America, um, do the master's program. Um, yeah, from there, um, then, I mean, we can talk about the master's program, but it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's an intensive program and you, you start and you gotta be ready to hit the ground running, you go through it. Um, you get experience in, uh, in all sorts of, um, media outlets as you go through the program yeah uh, and then yeah like I said it's really up to you to to kind of go on from there not everyone does end up in journalism that goes through that program but um oh wow okay that was back in what 2015 I graduated in 2017 so it's been a good I've been yeah I've been freelancing for for a good eight nine years and then since that program it's been a good six years I guess okay. five years ago wow you mentioned that you were freelancing overseas or on different continents prior yeah. to the master's program how did you how did you get those roles was that cold calling basically because i know in our generation i know a lot, a lot of us don't usually cold call places so i think mm -hmm. it's interesting yeah yeah it was really just i mean there's some connections a lot of cold calling um i did freelance after my master's program as well i worked uh for a number of publications um so yeah i i where i ended up in jordan i was doing some reporting i took assignments in the caribbean as well after the hurricane maria there um i, I did plenty of reporting across canada as well uh, on a whole range of different um uh, beat areas i guess okay uh, yeah it's it's really about just uh <laughs> not getting discouraged when you get turned down and then continuously working to hone your pitches and and convince editors that you're the right person to to tell that story do you find that you pitched out more or you got pitches you received pitches more oh at the beginning you certainly are just pitching um it. yeah it's up to you to make those um make the case uh but yeah no as you develop I, you know i would develop relationships with editors um mm -hmm. and and as you prove yourself you start getting assignments more and, okay. and they'll start trusting you with bigger budgets uh, and travel budgets and things like that. Okay, wow. Looking back to the beginning of your career, if you would advise yourself on one or two things, what would it what would it be? Is there anything you would particularly do different? I'm not sure I would do. I mean, besides the newspaper bit, I would. I yeah. never joined the school newspaper, so I would say do okay. do that again. Yeah. Uh, they're no joke. Um, but I'd also tell myself probably that you know, get ready to fail. Uh, it's really a regular part of the job, especially at the beginning. And, and it's, it's, it's important that you'd fail because you start to, that's how you learn. I mean, it's, it's kind of a cliche, but it, it's true. Um, yeah. You have to do it to, to learn it. Is there, so after, after traveling a lot and having the opportunity to be immersed in these different cultures, especially prior to coming to your master's program right is there one experience or story that really impacted you that made you want to go back and get your master's I think I mean there's it's hard to really pin down one thing yeah. I mean I, I can I'd, I'd be easier for me to talk about well let me tell you about some stories that I've done like as as a result of my master's um okay. I mean even during my master's program so um yeah, coming out of it, I, I definitely had um, 
some really interesting freelance assignments. But before that, I had a really great opportunity. Like I worked, I got an opportunity to work um, an indigenous reporting program that would send people out to um, communities across British Columbia, especially around Metro Vancouver. Um, but I would, I'd say, you know, the, one of the most um, memorable reporting trips I went on while I was there was uh, to Columbia. I was part of a team of, of UBC um, master students at the, at the journalism program that did an, we, we basically um, went to three different countries China, India, and Colombia. I went to Colombia and we were reporting on from various cities on how urbanization was kind of radically changing life in these, in these places in um, all sorts of different ways. When we went to Cali, which is a city in, in Colombia's South, it was uh, at the time when um, the Colombian government was trying to sign a peace agreement with the left-wing guerrilla group, the FARC. Um, so we wanted to tell, we were looking to tell the story of, of some of these former um, fighters as they were reintegrated into kind of mainstream society. Um, I made contact with a, a nun, actually, kind of an activist nun who worked in the city, one of the most violent neighborhoods in the country, actually. And she had been working for years trying to demobilize gang members. Wow get them out of violence into, you know, something else in life. Mm -hmm. And and so we got down there and we had this nun and we <laughs> started casting around, you know, for uh, more people to talk to. And, uh, you know, we, we eventually um, found a man who had uh, run away from the, the guerrilla group and now helping kids avoid violent life, something similar to what the nun does, but with guerrillas. And he, we also met a, um, eventually uh, made contact with a former demolitions expert from the FARC who was kind of living and not, not living in hiding, but living a low life. Let's say he had done a number of assassination attempts against him while he was living in the city there. And so, you know, we, we talked to him, we were in this neighborhood all the time. And then uh, on our last day, a lot of our reporting team had left me and one other reporter, Alex Villegas, who, um, he now works for Reuters in, in Chile, actually. Uh, he, we, we finally got a call from a contact at a prison and uh, they said, oh, the commander's willing to see you now. And so we ended up jumping on in a car, crossing a bunch of military checkpoints up into the mountains. And then some of these guerrillas came and picked us up on their, on some dirt bikes. And we drove up through this uh, indigenous village and, and eventually on to this, uh, what was I think described as a, a kind of a demobilization camp and so these a, a unit a um a group of these these soldiers had had come to this camp to kind of transition from from this kind of hit and run uh lifestyle uh yeah. clandestine lifestyle to to a normal life um, but they were like just arriving so we got a chance to see them um i mean it was quite the whole the whole thing was a bit of a whirlwind we ended up leaving after spending a bunch of time there i mean we we met people some who were like worried they'd, they'd be hunted down others said you know we're going to stand our ground if anything goes wrong with this peace agreement and some just seemed like really tired of the life you know so we left we we left the country uh shortly after that uh published a story in the guardian uh and then within 
a couple of months, the violence started back up again. You know, people had warned us that, you know, once the, these guerrillas left the the jungle, I mean, they have a lot of allegations that, that have proven true that they've, they, they've committed a lot of atrocities like all sides in that war. Um, but they also um, did provide some sort of protection to some communities. And, and so a lot of indigenous groups, land activists, I guess is one way you could describe them, started getting assassinated. So, you know, it was impactful being there, but it was also something that, you know, kind of sticks with you. Just, you know, you go into a story and sometimes you move on to the next story, but that people keep living that story. And um, yeah, it's, it's not something you forget. Um, one of many stories, I guess. Do you, it sounded like a lot of, a lot of what you do is just seizing the opportunity in the moment. Do you find that that's still true? Yeah, I mean, certainly I, I, you're, as a reporter, you're always, a time is, is precious and you've got to kind of, when you see something, a story um, or you have an opportunity to speak with someone to go somewhere at, at a moment that is, is telling, uh, is telling when I, when I say telling, I mean, it, it's, it's an opportunity to kind of show the world what's happening, you know, as, as fast as we can make sense of it uh, and verify the facts on the ground. Um, yeah. You have to take, you have to seize that of course. Um, but you also rely on, people and and them being willing to talk to you and so you got to be careful with those stories as well because yeah because they, they got a life to live after that so <laughs> like uh i think there, there's certainly i mean like in any profession there's some people that are more careful than others okay no that's fair so looking looking forward i guess looking looking in the now do you this is a more of a deep question but what do you believe your purpose is as solutions journalists so solutions journalism is, it, it starts with the same proposition as an investigative reporter uh, or, or investigative journalism. So that's to, I guess, if you had to kind of sum it up, to root out and shed light on systemic problems that are facing our society, facing our world. Mm -hmm. But with solutions journalism, you take that starting point, here's our problem, here's here's what people or or a situation is facing and then you say okay let's take that one step further let's ask who's doing it better somewhere else um what evidence do they have that their solution works uh, and then you can use that reporting uh and hold it up kind of against the situation that that's you're facing in your local community and say hey you know you can hold that jurisdiction to account you can be say why why is what's stopping these officials from rolling out that solution here? I mean, look, it's working over here. Yes, there's barriers to maybe being replicated here, but we can learn something. So um, you can use it to hold as a positive story with evidence, not, not a piece of fluff. Um, you have to have that evidence. Yeah. But you also can use it as a way to, to yeah, hold people account to account. Yeah. Well. So looking into the future, is there something that you specifically want to cover or something that you're in the progress of trying to get to work on, I guess? I don't know how to pose that particularly. Yeah. Uh, well, to be honest, I'm, I'm a little bit exhausted right now because I just came off a, a months-long investigation with the um, International Consortium for Investigative Journalists. I had a, uh, an opportunity to work with them. Uh, 
looking into a BC-based, ostensibly BC-based company that has quickly become the largest forestry company in North America. Um, they've got operations across Canada, the US, Brazil, and France. Um, our investigation, which was I carried out with um, some partners at CBC's National Investigative Team, a uh, paper in Nova Scotia called the Halifax Examiner, and then Le Monde and Radio France in, in France. Um, we, we trace the links this company has to a pulp and paper giant in China and Indonesia. They're kind of sprawling company, huge conglomerate. And they've been accused um, by some groups uh, over uh, for massive uh, deforestation and conflict with communities there. So, yeah, we we went through this. Um, since our stories were published, uh, some people and uh, some members in auto, a standing committee on natural resources have committed to investigating it. So, so to look forward, I'm a little bit exhausted, but I I, I have to say that long term, I'd like to do. Um, more of that reporting, you know, coming together with uh, 140 journalists, well, 139 journalists from, um, I think we were 40 media outlets in 27 countries to report uh, on deforestation. It was, you know, it's, it has a lot of impact when that many good reporters are coming together to really spend time on, on all sorts of stories and then, and then release that all at once. Um, the impact has been, you can see it across, you know, all these different countries. I'll, I'll just add like long-term, I'm a reporter first and I could be pulled to any other beat. I'm, I, I'm aware that I could be pulled to any other beat in any, at any moment. And I, I don't really have a problem with that. I think that's what makes this job so interesting. You know, every day's different. Yeah. So coming back, is there anyone you particularly want to work with? Cause you said that you've done um, some of the stories you shared, you've been working with other journalists. Is there anyone you you would like to work with in the future? Or it just kind of depends on who you meet at, at a certain time? Yeah, I don't have a short list of, I mean, I have, I have a short list of, I have a long list of reporters that I respect immensely and, and I, yeah, that I admire. Um, but there's a lot of people like that, that I, haven't met and then i'm sure if i were to get, get a chance to work with i'd be i'd be thrilled um working again with um, the icij would be I, I would i would do that in a heartbeat they're they're just um very high caliber reporters um i'd like to collaborate on more projects like that um people not so much i mean i do as a reporter covering climate right now there are some places and stories that i think i would like to kind of get to and make sense of for myself um, if not for readers, there's yeah. been reporting here, but I think reporting uh, on our planet's poles is is such a telling place to to tell us the story of climate, especially as it's heating up so much faster. So you know, reporting in the Arctic and the Antarctic and and the the adjacent kind of regions that that those those huge climate changes are, are impacting, you know, like those border regions. You know, it's we say the Arctic now, but that's only creeping south. So getting to those places is something that I've, I've thought about. Okay, wow. Yeah, you hear a lot of stories about people in all these different places or these journals going these different places. And unless you like talk to someone, you don't really know what that's like. Absolutely. So, yeah. So lastly, there's so many things happening in the world from the revolution in Iran to the war in Ukraine, to the controversy over 
the FIFA World Cup um, in Qatar at the, t- at the time. Is there a responsibility you believe journalists have in the current global landscape on what to share and what to talk about? Yeah, I mean, journalists have always had a responsibility to their readers, to their audiences, whether that's reflecting people's stories in their community, um, documenting ugly corners of the world, like you said, whether that's war, famine, something else, or rooting out corruption and holding powerful people and institutions to account. Um, I don't think that has changed. If anything, as our world becomes more complicated and we face problems that are are truly global in nature, like climate change, um, that job just becomes more important. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Where I'm, I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to speak with you, and I think this has given me a lot more energy. I know, like, I know I'm, I'm stealing a little bit of your energy here, but it's, it's exciting as a student to hear what, what's out there, because I think. We hear a lot about, you know, cuts in the journalism industry, and it's sometimes hard to tune tune that out. So it's kind of reassuring, and it's nice to hear from someone in the industry. Well, I have to say, as a reporter, we we draw energies from stories. We draw energy from stories we do, but we also, like, it's important to lean on other reporters. And so, you know, I I, I do the same thing with colleagues, and um, uh, we're always happy to. It's it's a cutthroat industry on in some ways, but on the other, on the other hand, um, I I have some reporters I know have been some of the most helpful people I've ever met, and and yeah, so we're always here to to help people as they want to break into the industry. It's a broader community. So if anyone wants to follow you or follow your journey is there any social media accounts or anything you recommend that people look into and i will put these in the show notes as well yes uh you can follow me on twitter i know it's a toxic uh, kind of platform for some people but uh, it's still kind of the best thing out there i guess for some reporters um uh so yeah you can follow me at stefan labay s-t-e-f-a-n-l-a-b-b-e um and just look out for my byline okay perfect Well, thank you so much for joining us and I hope you have a lovely rest of your day in Hawaii. Well, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure.